here this morning on a beautiful, beautiful, sunny, 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 sunny day. And it's, it's as if I, I think we are finally getting to the point where we're going to see the sun a little bit more often. And it's going to get a little hot, and so we need to receive that, just like we received all the moisture, if you know what I am saying. And what I'd like to do to start out this morning is to jump right into the Scripture, is just jump right into it. Because there are some things that I need to share with you today. This word that you just got through singing is so appropriate. And there are a lot of things that are going on in your life individually and personally, but there's also a lot of things that are happening to us corporately. And so I just want to jump on the word, like, kind of right away, if that's okay with you. And I want to read the uh, Matthew 28, and we want to concentrate today on the 20th verse, okay? And we've been looking at Matthew 28 for four weeks. And this is kind of the last verse of the 28 uh, that we've been dealing with. And we're kind of putting a bookend on the progression of discipleship, starting all the way back in January. So if you will, we're going to read that again, and we're going to look at verse 20. And I want you to notice what we would call the subject of today when we talk about teaching by observation. But let's read this. It says, and Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And this is our text for the day. It says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and law. I am with you always, even to the end of this age. Now, have you ever had a point in your life where you have heard people talk about a particular person? And you've, you, you, you've kind of never met the person, but just think about it. You've heard people talk about it. You also have heard how people respond and how they behave while they're talking about them. You have this impression of them, and you've never met them. You just heard things. And it gets to the point where you get to the point where you begin to prejudge these people. Uh, not a bad judgment. It's just that, man, I've heard this about her. I've heard this about him. And all of a sudden, way before that person even walk into your cul-de-sac or even walk into your environment, you have this pre-kind of what they need to be. And it's kind of strange because we all do it. We, we, we all hear it and we go, hmm, I wonder, you know, there are many people who will tell you that they know President Obama. There nobody, and unless you have met him personally and have sit down in his home and find out who the guy is, no, you only know of him. And a lot of times because we can look at a person's behavior and some of the things they do, we get the impression that we do know him. I understand that point. But when we look at this uh, 20th verse, Jesus is about to say something. He's about to say something by which to introduce someone that I think it would be good if you would take the time to get to know him again. I did something five to seven years ago. And five to seven years ago, I asked God to empty my toolbox. 
Now, what I meant by this is that everything I had learned in church, everything that I had learned about the Bible, everything that I had learned about the Spirit, and all these other things, let's say, will you teach me all over again? That means I had to turn the toolbox that I had upside down and let all of the equipment fall out of it. And when I turned it right back up, it was God who would pick up whatever piece of equipment he wanted me to have and put back in my toolbox. And so I had to relearn some things. It's not like I had to relearn the Bible. But one of the things I did have to relearn is this person called the Holy Spirit. And I had to do it all over again. Why? Because I had previous experiences. I, I, I was a Pentecostal child growing up in that environment, and so I learned about the Holy Spirit that way of people getting real excited about him, people just having a, just, just a great time of cheering, and there was really nothing wrong with that. And then I came to a charismatic church uh, as I grew up in college, and I, I saw a different kind of way people would express him. And then I also was raised in that same charismatic place with evangelicals who, who were more word-oriented and wanted to just make sure everything we were doing was by the word. But, but then some 15 years later, God began to reteach me. But God also taught me of something about prejudging. He also taught me that, Johnny, the way uh, you judge a person or the way you begin to size a person up is the same way it's going to come back to you. Are you with me so far? Well, in this 20th verse, God begins to introduce something that unless you look real closely, you're not going to be able to see it. So when Jesus tells his disciples to teach, he tells his disciples to help people observe. He tells his disciples in teaching and observation, I want you to understand something. You're going to learn something about this bookend that I'm laying in front of you. You're going to learn something about this person in front of you. And so when we began the discipleship process with you in January, we told you that we're going to start feeding this to you intravenously, and we are. And so here's my first invitation for you today. I'm going to ask you to really consider on a consistent basis as the weeks unfold to come to our Sunday night service. And the reason why I'm going to ask you to be serious about that is because it's at that place where we began to teach and learn and hear and become acquainted and grow and get intimate with the Holy Spirit. Maybe not like you have or maybe not like somebody else have, but we've been doing that for several years. And so as we talk about discipleship, there's going to be a power pack. There's going to be a motivation that you're going to need to step into the commands of Jesus Christ. Because the scripture is really the mandate. And you know the scriptures. Jesus Christ is the model. You have met him. But the Holy Spirit is the motivation. Now, when you get that motivation, that motivation is there for you to what? Uh, uh, fulfill the call that is on your life as a disciple. And so what I want to do is I'm going to go back to this scripture, and I'm going to ask you with me, if you can, would you turn with me to 2 Timothy 4? Because I want you to understand now, as we have taught Matthew 28, we have taught you the why, which is the command. We have taught you the what, which is the gospel. We've even taught you how, which is the Holy Spirit. And we've even taught you where, and he says to all nations. But now we're getting ready to dive into the wind. 
when do we do this? Let's look at 2 Timothy, and let's see if we can look at verse 2. But let's start with 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Now, when you look at verse 2, I want you to understand a couple of words here, but let's read it first. It says, preach the word. And he says, be ready in season and out of season. He's saying, there's going to come a time when people don't want to hear the word of God. There's going to come a time when folk want other things to happen in their life. Their ears are going to be tickled by other things. He says, no matter what the season is, I want you to preach it. Because then there's going to be times where people are hungry. And then he says this. He says, reprove, okay, means get things in order. He says, rebuke, that means confront at times in a loving way. And then it says, exalt, that means lift people up with great patience and great instructions. And so what he's communicating to us right now, that making disciples, reaching out to people is a thing that happens, ladies and gentlemen, all the time. See, you see, the when we make disciples all the time, when we share our faith all the time, when we read, when we pray, when we worship all the time. And so what God is saying is this, Jesus Christ, when you look back at verse 20, and he says, teaching them, what he's saying is, I want you to teach by observation. Because behavior scientists know something when they look and look at behavior as far as communication is concerned. There's two types of communication that you'll learn. One type of communication is verbal communication. That's what you're hearing from me right now. But then there's another type of communication that's called nonverbal. See, and when you talk to people in a verbal sense, the percentages of them getting it may be somewhere below the 50% percentile. But when you teach or talk with people and you give them illustrations, it will go beyond the receptacle percentile. But when you teach people with illustrations and observation, the percentage goes up to the high 80s and the low 90s because there's something to observe. And what God wants to happen with you and me is he wants you to not only hear his word, but he wants to come behind that and begin to what? Affirm that word. Watch this. Through teaching, through observation, and through demonstration. Are you with me at all on that? God wants to do that. Because it's one thing for somebody to say something. It's another thing for them to see the evidence in it. And you can say a lot to your husband or your wife or your friend or your buddy or your cousin. Those words do mean something. But when those words are backed up by illustration, demonstration, and observation, it brings power to what has been said. That's why you see in the book of Acts, God constantly what? Confirmed what the disciples did by what? Signs and wonders. See, 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 no longer are the days uh, uh, of, of you feeling better or we feeling better because of the number of people that is in the room. See, we feel better because we know the Holy Spirit is here. See, we, we feel better because we know God's present. And God is the one that's going to add the numbers. God is the one that's going to grow his church. And whether he grows to be 50 or 50,000, the fact is not that Susan and Betty is not here, but is the Holy Spirit here. 
And that's just something that you got to start learning in your own life, in your own marriage, in your own job. Is the Holy Spirit in your marriage? Is the Holy Spirit in your heart? And so when Jesus says, teaching them to observe, he's saying, I want to teach them by observation, by demonstration that I'm here. And you, you, you can tell when a marriage, you can tell when a business, you can tell when an organization has life to it. Why? Because there's a spirit there that brings life to it. And that's really important. And eventually the people will show up. So what I'm sharing with you is that I want you to understand something. Some of you in this room, like me, have met him because of somebody else's experience. Some of you in this room have met the Holy Spirit because of what people have said about him. Some of you have met him because of some of the ways he demonstrated himself. Now, we're going to go back into these scriptures, but let me at least read this to you before we go back. Now, I want you to understand something about the personality of the Holy Spirit. And you say, John, how can you get the Holy Spirit out of teaching by observation? How can you get the Holy Spirit out of verse 20 when Jesus says teach? Okay. Let me read this to you. I just got a little side note. It is of great importance that we believe in, watch this, the divinity of the Holy Spirit and also his personality. It is also when we learn these truths that we can give him, watch this, honor. You ever given the Holy Spirit honor? Worship. Have you ever given the Holy Spirit worship? Adoration. Have you ever given the Holy Spirit adoration and personal respect that we give to God? We give God respect. We give God personal respect. We give God adoration. We give God worship, and we give him honor. And yet God is saying the Holy Spirit deserves the same. And we must learn that the Holy Spirit is not a mere power that we need to get hold of or use. And some of us have learned him that way. We want the power. We want to use him. And sometimes I forget that he's a person, a spiritual being. That's like using my wife or using somebody next to me because I want something from them, but I don't respect, honor, or be sensitive to them as beings. Are you with me so far? Okay. And then it says that... Uh, but we must learn that he is a person who is infinitely wise. He is holy. He is just and gracious and who seeks to get a hold of us and use us. Not so much that we might use him, watch this, but that he uses us. Are you with me? Okay. And we must become, watch this, acquainted with him as a person. And not merely an influence or power derived from a person. If my kids only just see my power, if my employees only just see me as an authority figure, but they don't see me as a human being, as a person. Church, are you following this at all? And so at the end of Matthew 28, verse 20, Jesus makes a statement. He says, look, I want you to go and I want you to teach them to observe. I want you to point them 
to the activity of the Holy Spirit. I want you to point him to what follows when he shows up. And I want them to see it by demonstration. And I want them to see it by illustration. But I want you to teach them first so that from that teaching, the de demonstration and the illustration will take place. You will actually see people get healed. You'll actually see people fall in love with Jesus. You'll actually see people have a hunger for his word. You'll actually see people wanting to pray. You'll actually see people who are not afraid to share. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has met them as a person. And that person, the Holy Spirit, has met them as a person. Does that make sense to you? That's real important for you to get this. And, 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 and so what we're going to do is we're going to go back to the Scripture. We're going to go back over here. I want you to, I want to take you to verse 20. And when you look at the word teaching, that word basically means to impart instructions. That's all it means. And when you impart instructions, Jesus is saying to his disciples, I want you to impart these instructions to them. That them are other believers. That them are other people in the world. And he says, teaching them to what? To observe. Now, the word observation basically means to attend to something very carefully. Why? Because when you point people towards the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit pointing people towards himself, they're going to see something that they have not seen before. They're going to see something on the canvas that they've never seen before. That person is going to be different. That experience is going to be different. But this person does that. And then he says, teaching them to observe. And he says, all. Now, watch this. That's collective information. And the all is this. Jesus says, all that I have commanded you. And the commands are direct orders from the colonel. They're direct orders from the major. They're direct orders from the general. They're direct orders from headquarters called heaven. And so you get direct uh, orders from heaven. So Jesus is saying, I want you to teach them to observe what I have commanded you. And then he makes a statement. He says, and lo. Now, the word lo here means behold and see. Anytime there's a below, hold on, there's something coming after that that I want you to slow down and I want you to gaze at. And then he says, I am. He says, behold, I am. That I am is the same I am when he told Moses, go tell them that I am that I am. That I am means that I am the Messiah. I am God's chosen one. And I want you to tell them everything that I said. And then he says this, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be a paraclete. Now, ladies and gentlemen, each one of us has been on a spiritual journey from the day we were born. And there's a lot of things that have happened to you in your life. And sometimes tragic, sometimes trauma. And we don't think for one moment that when that trauma comes and that tragedy strikes, that somehow God is there. And we very seldom look to God. And he says this. I have never left you the day you were conceived. I've always been with you. I'll never leave you. That's how powerful he is. We have got to learn how to look to him as our first reaction. Not how the world has taught us how to react. But he's got to be our first reaction. He says, man, I want you to let him know that I'm going to be with him. And in being with him, I want you to also let him know that I'm going to always be with you. And that means I will never, ever leave your side. Ever. In your gloomest of glooms. In things you wish you 
could have took back or have taken back that I've never left you. Then he makes a statement, and he says, to the end of the age. You know what he means? Even to the end of time, even to the end of the universe, even to the end of this world, man, I'll never leave you. So when he's telling these men to go out and make disciples, he realizes they're going to face rejection. They're going to face persecution. And when you get that first slap upside your head, when somebody says something to you that takes the wind out of you, I'm still there. When you become violated or somehow somebody did, I'm still there. When you think somehow you robbed of your idea, I'm still there. I'll never leave. So he's telling these disciples this information. And he wants you to tell other people, especially believers, the same information. But he says this. I'm going to, through the Holy Spirit, teach by observation who I am. Now this last part, when he says the end of the age, he means forever unbroken eternity, I'm still there. To the end of the world, I'm still there. To this universe, I'm still there. To a certain period of time, I'm still there. So then what would be the purpose of this particular message today? Let me just give you an objective statement. I want you to listen to it. Jesus Christ is saying that the Holy Spirit is here to help you trust in the process. Yeah. The Holy Spirit has helped you, is going to help you stay on track. The Holy Spirit is going to help you do the teaching. It's going to point people so that they can observe. And they're going to be able to do everything that I have commanded because the Holy Spirit is going to say, trust the process, Johnny. If anybody here has ever played golf, okay, you know, Tiger Woods is probably at the lowest that he's ever been in his life. I mean, he's almost every tournament he plays right now, he comes in last in the 80s, okay? And it's hard to watch because here's a guy who used to be one of the best in, on the planet. And all he's trying to do is perfect the swing and all that kind of stuff and all that kind of stuff. And the commentators are begging this guy to go back to his old stuff. Because he's embarrassing himself and he's embarrassing them. And if you know anything about golf, you have to trust the process of your swing. If you know anything about athletics, you have to trust your workout. If you know anything about any kind of development that you've ever had in your life, you've got to trust the process because at the end of the process, it's going to produce something. Jesus says, listen. If I tell you to teach, if I tell you to point to what I am doing, I want you to know this one thing. You can trust the process if you just do what I ask you to do. So here are four things real quick that if you can write them down, fine. Okay? Jesus is saying in verse 20, number one, he's saying everybody is to be involved, number one. Everybody that's a believer, that's a disciple, that's a Christian needs to be involved in this process. Everybody. He, 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 
he's asking us to do this because that's a part of your life that is missing when you don't disciple. There's a part of your life is missing when you don't give what you got to somebody else. You just kind of shut down what is called the uh, replacement value process. God is saying, look, everybody's involved. This is what Jesus is saying here. The second thing he's saying here is that the teaching, okay, is what you would call the activity that is involved. I, I got to continue to teach my son. I got to continue to teach my daughter and my son-in-law and my wife, and they have to continue to teach me. So not only am I involved in their lives, but the teaching part is a constant activity that I get involved in. That's the second thing that he's saying here. Now, here's the third thing, which is so beautiful. He says, look, I want you to obey everything that I've commanded. See, we, we, we started in January giving you the first command in Luke 9, 23. We came back in February with James 15, with John 15. And we came back in March with, with Luke 14. We came back again with John uh, uh, 14, I believe, Luke 13, but John, John 13. And then we came back again this, month, this last month in May with, with Matthew 28. And he says, look here, I want you to obey everything that I've done. And, and, and if you trust that process, now here's the fourth thing. If the first thing is that it's for everybody, if the second thing, the teaching, is the activity that you get involved with, and if the third thing is to obey everything Jesus said, here's the fourth thing. You must realize you cannot do this alone and on your own strength. You can't. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. See, and so in the midst of this, and I'm going to read some scripture to you here. We're getting ready to close here in about five minutes. I want to read some scripture to you. But I'm going to start putting a strong emphasis on Sunday nights. Okay, because when I emptied my toolbox, I had to learn about the Holy Spirit all over again. I had to put aside the Pentecostal experience, expecting everybody to jump, hoop, and holler, hop, pews, and all of that. And that's okay. It wasn't bad because they were more excited about Jesus than I was <laughs> about other things. And I had to take my evangelical experience and just look at the word, the word, the word, the word, the word, the word. And I found out that that in, ex in itself, by itself, was not enough. And I even had the charismatic experience. And I had that for 13 years at a church I grew up in. And when God began to call me to start Sunday nights again, Rick and I spoke about that, and I started something called Table Talk. And Table Talk was no more than a scripture that came out of Revelation that says, if I knock and you let me in and I'll come in, man, and I'll hang out with you. The Pentecostals still wanted more speaking in tongues and spiritual gifts. So was the Charismatics. The Evangelicals just wanted the word. Here's what happened to me. I got so involved in the things that the Spirit can do that I missed the Spirit himself as a person, as a spiritual being. And I'm going to ask you to join with me and our leaders. And if you can, start attending Sunday nights. And just come and watch Listen. And listen how we just come in and it's low key. There, there's no agenda. It's none. And we worship. 
Maybe I or one of the other pastors may get up and open it up. And sometimes they talk a little bit about what happened this morning. And then people just start listening to the Spirit. And when somebody gets up, usually most of the time they got a scripture with them. Man, this is what God's saying to me. And what happens is we find out before the end of the night that there's something corporately going on. And people start getting blessed. No one Sunday night in the last seven or eight years that we've done this has ever been the same. And I am getting accustomed again to the person of the Holy Spirit. How would you like to have somebody say that you told me this and then you didn't tell me? How do you think the Holy Spirit feels when somebody says the Holy Spirit told me to do this and they never even talked to him about it? But yet the Holy Spirit is talking, and he does. See, if we had the time, I could do a little experiment right now, but I'm not going to do it. Because I believe there might be one person in this room that's got something on their heart that they need to share. Now watch this. But I believe there might be one person in this room who's got something on their heart that's specifically for somebody else. And guess what? They don't get up and teach. They don't get up and try to put it on a plate. Well, God, they don't do that. They just say, look, I'm going to follow instructions. I'm going to be obedient. I just want to share this with you. This is what God put on my heart for somebody. And here it is. Bam. And they sit down. And then somebody else stands up and goes, you know what? That's me. That's what God wants to do in this church. And we want to open up the door for him to start doing it. And so I'm going to read some scripture to you. But I want to do this today. In order to teach people to observe, you've got to welcome the person of the Holy Spirit. You've got to welcome him. You got to say, Holy Spirit, come on in. Hey, sit down. Let's talk a little bit. And you got to see him as a person, as a spiritual being, just like you see Jesus on TV now, on AD. <laughs> and just like you see God working in Moses' life in the Ten Commandments, there is a third person of the Godhead. Would you like to get acquainted with me? Some of you believers in this room, you need to start all over again because your preconceived notions of who he is have been blocked by your experiences. And I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want somebody to size me up because of what somebody else said about me and because of how somebody else experienced me. I would want you to experience me. I would want you to look into my eyes. I would want you to understand my personality. Church, are you following this at all? How then can we teach others to observe if we haven't met him personally as a person? I confessed that I missed that part. Let's just read these scriptures as we close and get ready to take up our orphan and do communion. Now, there's one scripture that I'd like to just bring to you. You can write it down, but I want you to read it at some point. If you went to the Gospel of John in chapter 1, I just want to read to you verse 29 through 34. 
this is John the Baptist. No, this is John talking about something. John himself, the apostle John. It says, the next day he saw Jesus coming to him. This is John talking about John the Baptist. And said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he on behalf of whom I say after me comes a man who has a higher rank than I. For he existed before me, and I did not recognize him. But in order that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. And John bore witness, saying, I have beheld the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained on him. And I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have bore witness that this is the Son of God, teaching them to observe. They not only saw Jesus, but they saw the Holy Spirit descending upon him like a dove. That person out of heaven, the third person of the Godhead, he did that. Now, a couple of more sets of scriptures. We're in John. Let's stay there. When you go to John 14, just want to read this to you. Get you ready. John 14, starting in verse 25. Listen to this. These things, this is Jesus talking, and I have spoken to you while abiding with you. Now, what, now watch this. But he, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. You have heard that I have said to you, I go away and I will come to you. If you love me, you will have rejoiced because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I and now I, say, I have told you before it came to pass that when it comes to pass, you may believe. I, am not speak, I will not speak much more with you, for the rule of the world is coming, and he has nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and the Father gave me commandment, even so I do arise, and let's go there. Jesus was introducing to them the Holy Spirit. Now, this is his last reading. Stay in John. And let's go over to chapter 16. This is the last time I will read, and then we'll take up our offering and do communion. In chapter 16, starting with verse 7, listen to this. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper shall not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he... When he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. 
concerning sin because they do not believe in me and concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer behold me and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. But watch this. But when he, the Holy the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative. But whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall take of mine and shall disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I say to you that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. You know, when I first met my, 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 my bride, Vicki, one of the first levels of relationship we had to start with was what you would call an acquaintance. You know, with any friendship, that's where you start. And some of us need to get reacquainted with the Holy Spirit. The second level that God moved us to was a level of casual because in the acquaintance level, we were able to share casual, what, what you would call occasional contact in the sense that we could talk about general things. But when God moved us to a casual relationship, we, we began to realize we had common interests and we had specific information that we could talk about. Same thing with the Holy Spirit. You begin to have uh, occasional contact with him. And then you move to this casual relationship with him to where you begin to share some common interests. And then the third level that he moved Vicky and I to was to get a little bit more close. And that means we found out we had mutual uh, life goals. And as we did that, we began to make specific suggestions about how we would influence each other. The Holy Spirit is the same way. But this last level that we entered into in marriage, we began to get intimate. We began to exchange things in our values. We were committed to developing one another's values, and we had a freedom to correct each other. Well, when you move from acquaintance to casual to close to intimate, then you begin to know somebody. And there are some people who have experienced the Holy Spirit on different levels but haven't started from the beginning to be acquainted with it. And that's what I'm suggesting that you start doing today. I'm going to invite you to come back with us tonight. And just begin that journey, you and your wife, your family as individuals. And say, I just want to learn about the Holy Spirit. I want to know that he is a being, a spiritual being that it's time for me to get a little bit closer with. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. We're going to take up our, where is it? Yeah, it's at 608 East Drake. It's at the Drake Road Christian Church. Uh, it's on Drake and Stover, you know, as you go east on Drake. It's right there, 608. And just, just come and, and bring what you've got. Bring what you've got. Bring your experience. Bring your understanding. And let's just see what God wants to do with us. He wants to baptize this church. He wants to baptize these people. And we want to. 
do the best we can to help you get there. I promise this. Man, we'll be gentle. We'll be protective of you. We won't let anything get out of hand. We'll learn together. And we'll walk together. Let's take up our offering.